I'd like to share a little bit about my journey with you, if that's okay. I just thought for some of you, you know me well, some of you don't. And you see me maybe on a Sunday morning, belting it out up here. And um, I thought, well, yeah, I am the worship leader here, but we know worship is our life. It's not just music. That's a great expression of, and it's really important. But our life is worship. So I'm really grateful that I had parents that encouraged me to seek a rich relationship with Jesus at a young age. They didn't say, you're not old enough, you need to wait till you're older, this you can hear God for yourself now. So I did. And when I was little, I didn't have all the distractions that my kids have today. We didn't have iPads or iPods. We didn't even have a home computer. Hey, we didn't even have a shower till we were teenagers. So I did wash, but you know, so after tea, dinner and maybe watching one of my favorite shows like Battlestar Galactica or the Dukes of Hazard. you know I would go up to my room I would lock the door I'd play maybe a few chords on my guitar that I knew and I'd worship the Lord yeah Lily <laughs> I would worship the Lord and so and then I would pray and I would just listen and very quickly I started to hear a voice and that's when my journey began. In fact, that's when my adventure began with the Lord. And that, to me, that is worship. It's you and God. It's your journey to the, his heart. Now, through the years, my pursuit of him has actually become the greatest occupation of my life. It, it colors everything else. It affects everything else. And it fuels and motivates everything I do. Um, throughout my life, and I'm sure you could say the same, there's been specific um, maybe prophetic words spoken over my life and um, some of them surprised me but I just loved them I thought oh yeah I want that so one of them was you're a mountain dweller so <laughs> I had to laugh because I don't like mountains I don't like heights and this year driving across America I felt real fear of heights so I like to think well I am a mountain dweller, but only in a metaphorical sense, only in a spiritual sense. And on that word, that's a lovely picture of somebody who's ascending the hill of the Lord and staying close up there with him. So I'd like to think, oh, yeah, I want that. I have experienced that. But have you noticed that on every prophetic word, it's like there's an anointing because it's from God, but there's also an invitation. Have you noticed that? So someone will say something of your life. Because God is the ultimate in calling out the gold. He wouldn't tell us to do something if he wasn't the best at it. He calls out the gold in us. So he's calling the things which be not as though they are. You are a mountain dweller, but there's an invitation on it. There's more to come into. Okay, so that was one word. The other one, which I love, and I just felt really honored. He's, I've heard this in different meetings where he'll say, he calls you friend. And I'm like, wow, really? Me? He calls me friend? But again, there's an anointing on it, but there's an invitation to come into that. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? So it's like, oh, yes, I want that. I am a friend of God, but I want to be his friend. I really want to be that. And the other thing he said to me personally was, no matter what, minister to me first. Minister to me first in everything. So when I do what I do here with music, 
I, we minister to him first. When I get before him to prepare for anything, I minister to him first. It's always about him ministering first. In living our lives, in our jobs, anything we do, we minister to him first. When we get up in the morning, our first thought, we minister to him first. Now, I want to talk about the invitation can you put just, yeah, just keep that up on the screen for a minute because God is the ultimate. And this morning when I was preparing, I just felt God saying he's extending an invitation this morning to each one of us. And the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But that's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James chapter 4, verse 7. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I'm going to read you a quote by a man called John Bevere. It's from a book I read a long time ago, Drawing Near. When we really understand that he is the most prominent being in the entire universe, yet the most personal, and is in hot pursuit of us, how can we ignore such a wonderful invitation to draw near? We can no longer refuse him, for only ignorance would permit such a, tra a tragic lack of action. It's really easy to experience something and get a feeling, oh, that was good, yeah, I can, I can satisfied to stop here. And I think we often do that in the church, in Christendom. We experience a bit of God, we give our lives to Jesus, we read our Bibles, we pray, we maybe get baptized in water, maybe get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in a heavenly language. We experience something. And it's really easy to stop there. But I really believe that in this day we're living in, God is calling us. He's looking for us to come deeper because there's so much more to experience in our personal walk. And then when we come together corporately, that we're all experiencing more. He's inviting us to more. In Exodus 34 verse 14, it says, You must worship no other gods, but only the Lord, for he is God and who is passionate about his relationship with you. He's passionate about you. Every single person in this room, he's passionate about you. You might not feel like you're any, not worthy, not very interesting, but he's passionate about you. Every single one who can hear my voice, he's passionate about you. The invitation is for you. There's an element of truth that I can say to you, you are a mountain dweller. Because there's a truth in it and there's an invitation to step into it. You are a friend of God. But that's your true identity, so step into it. Does that make sense? In Psalm 139, verse 17, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you're still with me. I laughed the other day when I read that last line because I thought, your thoughts are so, you know all this stuff about me. And when I wake up in the morning, you're still with me? <laughs> like, you know all this stuff and you're still with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> okay, God is actually, I believe God is actually looking for friends. He's actually looking for friends. Almighty God, the creator of the universe, who he doesn't need anything, but he's looking for friends. He's chosen to be a being that wants us. He wants us. He's looking for friends. You don't ever need to feel lonely or depressed or sad. He's looking for you. He's looking for a friend. He's looking for you to be his friend. 
you and me. He's actually looking for worshippers. He's looking for friends. He's looking for people who want him, who really, really want him, who really care about what he feels, who really care about his heart, who care about his desires. When we were singing this morning, we minister to you. We attend to your desires. We're ministering to him. Think about it for a minute. We come to get along. We come to the meetings. Some, some people come. They need a fix. They're sad. They've had a hard week. But our job as believers when we gather together is to minister to him. And he said to me, minister to me first. That is the pattern for every believer's life. You minister to the Lord, then you minister to people. Because when you minister to him, his presence comes. And in his presence, there's anointing, there's healing, there's breakthrough, there's everything we need. And then you've got, got something to give away. But if we do it the other way around... See, we're all priests now because of what Jesus did. And the priests, in essence, in the Old Testament, created a space for people and God to come together. So as a royal priesthood in modern day, after the cross, we create a place where God and people can come together. We know we're ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors of salvation. We bring God and people together. That's our job. We minister to him first. And that brings him and he comes. You often hear me say on the stage when we're singing, come on, the eyes of the Lord run throughout the whole earth, to and fro, looking for a people whose heart is fully devoted to him. He's looking, he's looking, he's watching, he's watching you, he's watching me, but he's not watching you with like, well, what are you going to do? Come on, step up. He's looking at you going, I just love you so much. Just come into this. You're never going to regret it. Come into this friendship and this intimacy. Look, I'm looking because I'm inviting you. He's not looking at you with disdain or uh, disappointment ever, no matter what we do. That's how amazing he is. He's looking at you, inviting you. John 4, 23 and 24 says, but the, but the time is coming and is already here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking for you and for me to be worshippers. That's, that's not just on a Sunday morning, that's every day when you wake up tomorrow pursuing him as if your life depended on it. He's the rewarder of all those who diligently seek him. And the reward is him. It's the more of him. The more we seek him, the more we minister to him, and he shows up. And we, we can't get away from this. This is, this is an invitation, but it's also a command. It's a very strong suggestion because the quicker we do this, and we do it together, like all of us, not just one or two who are on fire and a bit crazy, but everybody. <laughs> because we've got a big job to do. And, you know, the earth needs us. The world needs to see God. Um, so anyway... This last Saturday night, I got an invitation from my neighbours, and it was so exciting. I've lived in my house for about five years, and I'm ashamed to say I don't really know my neighbours. I'm ashamed of that, because in my last house, I knew all my neighbours, preached the gospel to them, shared life with them. And so and we've, we've travelled a lot the last two years, so, but I've been like really, my heart's been aching and praying, Lord, show me how to reach my neighbours, how to talk to my neighbours. So one day, I'm sitting on my front porch, and two people come up with an invitation from behind my house. 
some of my neighbours invited me over. <laughs> I was so excited. And they invited me, and I hope this is all right to say on a Sunday morning, to an evening that was called Beer and Hymns. <laughs> now, I'm not that keen on beer, it's very bloating, but I'm not, con- I'm not judging anyone. So anyway, but it said on the flyer, this is going to be like, who a nanny of an evening, bring instruments, we're going to sing hymns in the garden. And I'm like... Perfect. I love this. So I, of course, invited some of my friends, Denny and Cindy and Bella and Dane and Hope and uh, Aaron and Carol, because I know they all play instruments. Bring your instruments. Well, we had a blast. They had a tent in their garden. It was like a bluegrass band. Our guys, I would say, made them sound better. Denny, Dane, Aaron, so proud of you. And they were awesome, though. And we were stood in this tent with hymnals, singing the fastest I've ever sung, Be Thou My Vision. <laughs> and like, I'll fly away, yeah! And it was like crazy. It was crazy. But it was so joyous. It was the best fun. I come home, Dan's sitting on the front porch because he was preparing, and I'm like on cloud nine. I'm like, this was amazing. But here's what happened. So I go and thank my neighbours, find out they're Christians. Now, immediately, an acquaintance from waving across the fence and being civil, went to a, a, a level of friendship straight away. And then we talked to him, and I was so excited to know that we were both Christians. And I was like, you know, it's really hard to talk to the, your neighbours. And she said, oh, yeah, it was so awkward going around inviting our neighbours. But we really felt we had to. And I said, I'm so glad you did. And we said, let's bother each other now. Let's call on each other. Let's make friends. And so, anyway, I just want to share that because there's a difference between acquaintance and friendship, and a lot of believers are only acquainted with God. They've made a profession of faith. There's a distance, but there doesn't need to be. He's no respecter of persons. He has favorites, all of us. We're his favorites. But he's saying, if the invitation to me was, I can be his friend, it's to you too. And for every believer to stop and think, I don't want to just be acquainted on a surface level with God. I want to be his friend. Like, you know, you say to people, oh, God loves you. God loves you. But it's nice when people, one time I had a prophetic word that said, hey, Fee, God wants you to know he knows you love him. You can relax. I thought it's a bit different, but I was really ill. I just had a baby. I was struggling to read my Bible. You know, I was struggling and I felt bad. I was like, I want to minister to the Lord. I want to give to him. And the Lord was saying, I know you love me. Because I've got a friendship. I've got, I'm, not, I'm not acquainted with God. I'm, I'm building a friendship. Now, I'm getting to know him. I don't profess to say I know him that well yet. But after 30-odd years, I'm on a journey to the heart of God. I'm pursuing him. And he's my friend. And I'm his friend. And I want to, he knows he can trust me. I shared with you last time I was up here that I had a dream t- almost two years ago in England about a family that I hadn't seen for 30 years. And um, I thought it was a little strange. And the next day, I saw one of their sons, who I've never seen before, unless he was a baby. So I started on a journey of praying for them. And then the last time I was in England, like almost 18 months later, I bump into them. And they looked exactly like the dream. Exactly. And they were aged in the dream. I hadn't seen them since I was a little girl. And it turned out that they were away from the church. They were sad. They'd been hurt. And they were looking for a way to come back. And God gave me a dream. And I'm a little girl from their past. So it was like an innocent time in their life. And it gave them a safe way to come back to the body of Christ. Now we're emailing each other. I'm going to see them when I go. Um, I said all that to say, Shauna was with me. And she said, Fee, you know what? When God gives you a dream, most of the time it's about you. 
but when he gives it to you for someone else, it's because he trusts you with them. And I felt so honored by that. I thought, wow, God trusted me with them. You know, like that's what friendship is. You trust each other. You love each other. You can talk about anything, and, but you care about how the other person feels. I've got all kinds of friends in my life, some that I know I'm going to have a right laugh with, some that I'm going to bear my soul with, and some people I'm just getting to know as acquaintance. But we all need deep friendships. There's something in us that is created in us that we desperately need friendship, a deeper kind, someone who really gets you, who cares about you, that if your relative died or you're going through something, you'd expect a call from them because they're thinking about you. It's really important, you know? I want to be like that for God. I want to be his best friend. And you need to want to be his best friend too. <laughs> okay? Um, God wants friends, and you know we know friendship with God, though, according to the Bible, is reserved for those who fear him. That's Psalm 25, 14. Friendship with the Lord is reserved, it's set aside for those who fear him, who honor him, who reverence him. And I mean, I, I've always say this, but I can't think of a better way to say it. The people that actually really care about his heart, that love what he loves, that hate what he hates, that's a picture of the reverence and fear for the Lord, to honor him. Okay, so our response to the invitation is this, that we should minister to him first, always, in everything we do. That's our job, to minister to him first. See, that means to attend to his heart, what he cares about, what he needs. It's hard to think about, like, he's God, what does he need? What does he need? He, he needs us. He's chosen to need us. That's the difference. He's not needy. He's not, oh, poor God. Better help him out. He's almighty God. He's chosen in his sovereignty to need us, to want us. He wants friendship. It's not just a soppy idea. I know sometimes it's hard for people to transition to that intimate relationship with him. But the purpose is that the closer we are to him, when people see you, they don't see you anymore. That was one of my favorite old songs. I was going to sing it. It goes, I am covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. He gives to me. I am covered over with the precious blood of Jesus and he lives in me. He lives in me. Oh, what a joy it is to know my heavenly father loves me so and gives to me my Jesus. When he looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. Do you know that one? That was my favorite as a kid. Because he doesn't see you anymore. He sees Jesus in you. And that's the purpose. See, we got saved for us. We're going to heaven. But we got baptized in the Holy Spirit and with power for the world. Because he wants them. He loves them just as much as he loves us. His heart aches for every human being on this planet. He's not willing that any should perish. But if we'll minister to him first and come full. Ephesians 5 says, find out what pleases the Lord. Ephesians 5.10 says, find out what pleases the Lord. That's our goal. We find out what pleases him. There's a lot in the Bible. <laughs> There's a lot of instruction just reread it. Find out what pleases him. In this house, our number one priority has always been the presence of God. It always has been 
And while I'm living, always will be, because that is the most important thing on this planet, his presence, because that's where things happen. As a worship leader and worshipper in this house, I find that I've now become quite protective of certain things. Is it all right if I share some things from in that side of it, this sort of side of it? I'm determined that in what we do here on a Sunday morning, he gets all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. We don't just sing it. I really mean it. Like, these guys are amazing. These guys are lovely. I have a group of 20 volunteers, Jesus-loving, Holy Ghost volunteers, who do all this for the love of it. They're not paid. They come because they're worshipers. But what's good is... This is a result of what they're doing in the week, ministering to the Lord, pursuing him. I'm protective of that. Does that make sense? I find I'm more and more protective of that, especially in the day we live in. Music is amazing. There's so much at our fingertips, and um, there's so many songs we could sing. And I love all the current worship songs out there. There's some amazing stuff. But I find I'm really picky about what I choose to sing here because it's such a short amount of time. So I really want to make sure he gets it all. So I almost don't want to waste time talking about me in song. Do you know what I mean? We need to write a lot more. We are beginning to. But worship songs, uh, there's a lot of worship songs that are wonderful and they sing to Jesus. But a lot of praise songs are really exuberant, they're really fun, they're really celebratory, and it's good to talk about what he's done for us, but often you look at the content, they talk a lot about us. So, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I really, I know we've got such a short amount of time, I want to make sure he gets all he deserves. See, I believe there's a divine, ordained way of entry into the presence of God when we come together corporately. I believe there's a, there is a divine, ordained way of entry into his presence. You want to know what it is? <laughs> it's in Psalm 100, verse 4 to 5. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. I don't think that's just a suggestion. I think that's a command. So in, even in our song selection. Now you can practice this in your day. It doesn't have to be in song. I wake up. Thank you, I woke up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for coffee. Thank you, Lord, for my children. Thank you, Lord, for chocolate. Thank you, Lord, for the birds. Thank you for butterflies. Thank you for bunnies. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can do that every day. I'm entering his courts. Even on a Sunday morning in the short amount of time that we have, we want the best experience because we want God to come to touch our lives so that we can touch the world. We don't want to waste time singing nice songs, go around in circles we want to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise does that make sense okay do you agree because <laughs> thanksgiving honors him psalm 50 says he who offers a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving honors me fear of the lord reverence for the lord that means honoring him what honors him here's one thing that honors him thanksgiving and praise now, thanks and praise often are interchangeable. We praise you, we praise you, we thank you, we thank you. It's similar, so it's okay. It doesn't mean every single song we start has to say thank you, 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 thank you. We don't have to do that, but we've got to, we've got to be aware. And I, again, I'm quite protective 
of what we do here, we need to give him what's rightfully his. Like Dan said before, worship isn't for you or me or for our entertainment or to make us feel better even. It's for him. Full stop. It's for him. So the invitation has been extended this morning to each one of us. Um, each one of us is called to be his friend and each one is called to be a worshipper. So I want to suggest this morning that we move past the acquaintance stage and become God's best friends. Um, I want to leave you with three things that I do to cultivate a life of worship. Three things. We're all called to be his friend. We're all called to be worshippers, but there's more. I prophesy that over you. You are a friend of God. You are a mountain dweller. You are a worshipper. But there's more. There's an invitation this morning for each one. doesn't matter what your personality type is like. doesn't matter what you do for a living. Every single one of us is called to be an intimate worshipper and lover of God, a friend to God, someone that he can trust. So when he looks at you, he says, I could trust that person. Even with words of knowledge and dreams. Like, wouldn't it be great if every time we went to sleep, we woke up with information about somebody we see the next day? Our evangelism will be so much more effective. But he's got to know that he can trust you. He's got to know that he can trust me. That when I wake up, I'm not going to just ask, oh, just want too much cheese last night. I'll ignore that. I mean it. I mean, let's, let's be practical about this. Like, God wants to know he can trust you with his glory and his power. What will you do with it? Okay, three things, three R's in cultivating, just simple things that help us cultivate a life of worship tomorrow, the next day, the next day. Three things I'm going to do and that I do do that help me. And number one is remember. Remember, remember, remember what he's already done for you. Think back to when you first got born again. Think back to when you first experienced his power, when you first heard his voice, when you first had a vision. Maybe you haven't had a vision. Maybe you haven't heard his voice. But you, he's done something for you because you're in this room. So remember what he's done. Psalm 92 verse 4 says, You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. That's why I sing for joy, because he's done so much for me. <laughs> so much for me. I'm back in America. <laughs> anyway, so let's leave that. I want this on tape, oh dear. Um, <laughs> in the process of thanking him and remembering him, and remembering what he's done, it doesn't take long before worship and praise and thanksgiving rises up. That's why it's a biblical design, it's a biblical pattern. Remember, remember. it's all through this so much. Just look up the word rem remember or remembering. It's written in there quite a lot because it's a biblical design. Remember, remember. Something happens. Your spirit man gets stirred. Praise and thanksgiving starts to rise. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant tool for being a worshipper. That's why Psalm 103 says, forget not, forget not, forget not. That's the opposite, isn't it? Put in a different verbiage. Remember, forget not, remember, forget not. Don't forget, don't forget what he's done. The next star is relationship. Like I started, I started my journey when I was six years old. I'm so grateful to my mum and dad. I'm about to go on a plane on Tuesday and I go fishing with my dad. So I'm really excited. So you can be praying for Bob and May because they got to receive me. <laughs> I'm back! <laughs> so anyway, I'm so grateful for my mum and dad, because they, they weren't platform people, they weren't in front of the you know, people ministering, but they taught me from a young age to seek him. And I'm on that journey still, and it's 
never going to end. I'm going to do it for eternity because he's unfathomable. But relationship that speaks of intimacy, closeness, familiarity. You're familiar with your husband, your wife, your friends, your children. But we need to be even more close to God. Seek him as if your life depended on it. And it does. Your life depends on it. Your quality of life depends on it. You can plod through life. You're going to heaven. It's fine. He doesn't condemn you. But if you really want to live and you really want to be part of this unprecedented move of God that we're about to experience in this nation and across the earth, all of us together, I don't want to go there without you. I'm going there, but I want you to come too. (laughs) I am going there. (laughs) But let's go together. Everyone, not just me, not just one or two of us. Let's every single believer. And we've got to help our kids get on fire for God. Um, Psalm 140 says, Surely righteous people are, are, present tense, praising your name. The godly will live in your presence. There is an abiding, a dwelling, a remaining. If you're wanting to intercede for your kids, I would recommend, and I do this for my friends and family, I start to speak Psalm 91 over them. And I'm calling the things which be not as though they are. So I say, well, thank you, Father, for my friend Marjorie, let's say Marjorie. Thank you, Father, for Marjorie, that Marjorie is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, and she is abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. She will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. I'm putting her name in there, I'm speaking the word over there. I'm expecting the word to do something behind the scenes. Um, Reverence, the third R is reverence. Remember, relationship and reverence. These are three simple things. But if we're all doing them, reverence, to honor, to esteem, to exalt, to stand in awe of, respect of, and bow before him. Reverence. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who reverence him, who fear him. It's set aside. He's not your buddy. He's not your pal. He's God, but he can be your friend. There's a depth to the word friend and friendship. The best friend. If we will do this, if we will reverence him, I believe there's two things here in Psalm 33 and Psalm 85 where when we reverence him, it gets his attention first and then he comes. His presence comes. That's a win-win for us. We've got God's attention and his presence comes. 33.18 says, The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who reverence him. Now you can dissect that. What does that mean? It means that behind closed doors, I'm the same. Who am I when no one's watching? I was a worship leader in my bedroom before I stood ever in front of anybody. I wasn't planning on being up on a stage. I actually find it really scary and I'm nervous every week because it's all about him. But I'm, who I am behind the closed doors is who I am in front of you. And God sees everything. He sees every thought and intent of our heart. Not to make you scared, but (laughs) he's watching. (laughs) I always feel like somebody's watching me. And he is. (laughs) He's watching you. He's watching me. That'll keep you in the fear of the Lord. I tell you what, so much rubbish out there, so much sin. We don't need sin in the church too. Just saying. We don't need sin in the church. We want to be holy. And Psalm 85 says, Surely his salvation is near to those that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. So fearing the Lord 
gets his attention, but then glory dwells in our land. What's the glory? It's who he is. It's his character revealed, his power revealed, the glory, manifest glory of God in our land. We need that right now. But if God's people, there's a lot of us in this country, if we all do this, the glory of God is going to fall on Washington. It's going to fall in, where is it, North Carolina, wherever that happens, Charlottesville. It's going to fall everywhere. If Christians in every state will do this, yeah, all over the world, Afghanistan, all over. That's God's plan. That was his design. He thought of it before we did. Um, <laughs> again, it's the people that love what he loves, hate what he hates, that care deeply for his heart and are protective of his glory, that he gets all he deserves because he is worth He's worthy. He's worth it all. He's worthy. He deserves it. So on a Sunday morning, in this little expression that we do, he needs to get it all. Deuteronomy 10, I'm nearly done. Deuteronomy 10, 12 says, What does the Lord God require of you? He requires that only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect and emotions with all your heart and all your soul. When you got born again, when I got born again, our spirit man became perfect. Born of above, the Holy Spirit came and recreated your inner man. But your mind has to catch up and your body just needs to come into line. We're spirit-led, not mind-led, not soul-led, not body-led. We're spirit-led beings. That's why we renew our minds to the Word of God. What does He want? What does He care about? I want to know His heart. I'm on a journey to His heart. That's worship. I'm on a journey to His heart so that my spirit can lead. The Holy Spirit leads by my spirit. I remember being so lost in worship once when I was younger. I lived in England and I was... In a, I wasn't singing on a stage or anything, but I stood on the front row and I just would just close my eyes and never opened them the whole time they were singing. And <laughs> I must have been so lost in worship because I did this. Here's the front row and say so there's the drum kit here. And I must have just shuffled my way like in half an hour. And I, when he said, okay, if you take your seats, I was stood right in front of the drum kit. And I'm like... <sighs> <laughs> like it was so embarrassing but you know the Lord reminded me of that like that's what he likes like somebody who doesn't really care I don't care what, what really I don't, don't care what other people think <laughs> I care what he thinks it was very embarrassing but I was so lost in what the other thing is I think everybody in Geneva and St. Charles who sees me drive around thinks I've got locked jaw because I sing it my head off in the car like yeah. like <laughs> Actually, somebody said that to me in England once. They said, I saw you the other day. You had your mouth wide open when you were driving. I'm like, oh, this guy has my heart out in the car. It's really loud. It's awesome. Anyway, God is looking for us, each one of us. This is not just for me. I, I don't want this to be about me. I just want to share my heart as the worship leader in this house because this is what it's about. It's about being so passionate for him. And you guys are all the same. We are invited by God to be his best friend. We need to step into our calling this morning. I'm not just a suggestion. Please don't come back next week and I forgot. What did she say again? No, we're going to step into our calling today. Our calling is a wholehearted, wholehearted worshipper, a friend of God, somebody that he can trust.
And I leave you with this thought, and then we're going to pray. Um, this, to me, there's three basic hallmarks when I see someone's life as a worshipper, and I recognize it on people. Like, I can just see it. And number one is I can just tell they care more about what God wants than what they want. They've given their lives to him. doesn't mean we don't have jobs to do, but everything they do, they're like, I just want to please the Lord. I just want to please him. I want to do what he wants me to do. And some are more extreme than others. I love seeing Coco, actually, Stephen, Coco. His passion is so lovely. He's crazy. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. But that is the, you can tell they really care more about what God wants than what they want. And there's an overflow. Second one, the second thing that I noticed, there's an overflow of love. You can feel the love of God in them. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So the more full of him, that love is going to flow. So I notice it around people that are worshippers. I can feel the love of God. It's overflowing. And then the third thing is there's an evidence of true joy. There's an exuberance. There's a joy. And I was singing that song this week after the Hooter Nanny. Because he lives, I can feast tomorrow. There's that line that says, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds my future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. And I sat with a girl this week who was just really struggling. She's a Christian, just really struggling with all the terrible things that are going on in the world. And I said, I know, I know, it's pretty bad. There's some horrible stuff going on right now. But as a Christian, that's why Jesus said, be careful how you hear. Be careful. Jesus said, be careful how you hear. Because he knew what we were going to face. He knew, he know, he's not surprised what's going on. How, and the Bible says it's going to get darker. But it also says it's going to get brighter for us. But we are the people with the most hope. So here's the thing I reminded her. I said, you've got to guard your heart. Don't watch all that stuff. That's why the Bible says, that which is lovely, just, pure, honest, and of a good report, think on these things. Because he knows how we're wired. We get affected by stuff. But if you are a believer and you know how to shazak yourself, encourage yourself in the Lord, and stay full of his love and his joy, give your attention to the things of God, let that be your source of life. Because he lives, life is worth the living. I, he's got my t- tomorrow. He's got my forever. He's got this. But you've got, you've got, you and I have got to remind each other when we feel low, like, oh, isn't that terrible what went on? We have the power to change things. So I just want to leave you with that. Can we stand to our feet and I pray? Father, we love you so much. We just minister to you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and for your presence. Oh, thank you for this invitation. Thank you that you call us friends. We want to be your best friend. We want to know you. We want to be people you can trust. So, Lord, right now, as we just press into you, I ask that you would imprint on each of our hearts this word, that we would let it cling to us all week and all next week, that we would make a point that we have made a decision to step over this line. We are taking this on. We take that invitation. We step into our rightful destiny as worshippers of the King. 
to give you glory, to give you honor. I thank you for your hope and your joy and your peace. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Lord, I thank you this week for just a deep infilling of joy and peace and love. That no matter what goes on around us, we have a heavenly conduit right here, this relationship, to get full of you so that we can minister to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.